0: okay well thank you and good morning let me say just uh, as as we start i want to uh, say thanks for praying for us um as we've uh, been through our covid time here in our household so thankfully the case were cases were pretty mild um not not a lot of symptoms and um you know after our, our time of lockup we were able to to get back out um and 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 we appreciate you uh, appreciate you praying. A number of you reached out on WhatsApp and sent messages on Facebook, and so we we're we're really grateful that you prayed and we're just grateful for you uh, touching base with us. And it uh, it means a lot to know that we're uh, still connected. We um, we probably heard probably probably heard from more more of you than we did from uh, people that were closer to geographically, and so it it uh, it meant quite a lot. So we're continuing in. Ruth, I know you've been the last couple of weeks in um, the book of Ruth, situated just between Judges and 1 Samuel, and so that's where we're going to pick up today in uh, Ruth chapter 3. It's just really an, uh, a really interesting little book, and, and it, it includes just one of the best lines, um, uh, I, I think, in Scripture. I love it. Our, we, our pastor used it when when we were married. In uh, 1994, our pastor used this as part of our vows. And since then, when I've, um, when I've led weddings, um, I've, I've always used this line in there as well, Ruth uh, 116, where she says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. We have this uh, incredible picture of someone who's not Uh, a Hebrew. She's not, she's not Israeli. She's, she's, um, she's a Moabite. And yet she has this incredible commitment to her new family. And uh, that defines a a lot of who Ruth is. And I think it defines a lot. Sets the stage for a lot of what happens. We don't know much at all really about uh, Ruth's background. Um, And I guess it's fitting because really the book, though it's titled Ruth, you uh, you find as much about Naomi as you do about Ruth. The book opens with Naomi, and it closes with Naomi, and then Naomi still plays a major part, even in the middle of the text. And so that's where we are. It's a four-chapter book. We're in chapter three, so we're right in the middle of the story uh, as we get started today. And so uh, Naomi and Ruth have been together. We saw last week in chapter two that uh, Ruth set out to work in the fields and uh, she was just an incredible worker. She worked hard and um, she was able to provide for uh, Naomi and for herself. And under the advice of her mother-in-law, she she was uh, kind of instructed on how to do that safely, right? How to be out amongst these men and strangers and different people working in a way that was going to be uh, safe for her. And we know that uh, part of the reason that Ruth was was finding some of that protection was her connection to Naomi. So, uh, Ruth's connection to Naomi and the Naomi's connection we saw to Boaz, and uh, causes him just to be incredibly generous to her and uh, gives her the opportunity not just to glean in the fields but to uh, really to harvest. Right at some point, he's telling the guys, look, don't even, don't even, just give her whole, just give her whole sheaves of grain and let her uh, work in those. And so we're we're going to see uh, more in this chapter how uh, Boaz just offers protection and and. Uh, how he is a blessing to her and blessing really to both of them. And so it's not really just a story about Ruth. It's not just a story about Ruth finding a new husband. It's not just a story about Ruth uh, eventually getting a baby or any of those kinds of things. It's, um, it's, there's quite a bit going on, even though it's not too long. So let's, we're going to read in Ruth chapter 3. I'm just going to read first the uh, first five verses, and then we'll touch on a couple of other uh, places as we move through the chapter. So Ruth chapter three, beginning in verse one, it says this, then, uh, Naomi. And again, I apologize if I'm saying all of these names in a way that's completely different from how they pronounce them, uh, where you, where you grew up or in how you're used to hearing them. I, I, will just say I'm pronouncing them how we pronounce them in Kentucky. And so, um, You'll, you'll be able to follow along. I think you'll know the characters. And if I say the name's completely different from you, then just forgive me about that. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law said to her, my daughter, should I not seek rest for you that it may be well with you? Uh, verse two, is not Boaz our relative with whose young women you were? See, he is, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor. Wash therefore and anoint yourself and put on your cloak and go down to the threshing floor but do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. But when he lies down, observe the place where he lay, where he lies, then go and uncover his feet and lie down. And he will tell you what to do. And she replied, Ruth replied, that is uh, all that you say, I will do. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for this, uh, this, this picture uh, as the book of Judges ends, and uh, as Samuel and all the excitement of the kings are are, are about to be started in this uh, grand narrative, we thank you for this uh, slice that we can see in, um, in this short book in Ruth. And we pray that as we look at it tonight, this morning, that you would guide our time. We pray that you would draw our hearts close to you. Lord, would you open them up so that Your word might fall on fertile soil. And would you please, Lord, keep me from error. Help me, Lord, to speak the things that we need to hear. And we pray that your name would be glorified in all this. And so, uh, Lord, we know that uh, you love us and that you long to speak to us. We know that you're at work. We're going to see that today. And we pray that you would just guide our time. Show us how you're at work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Sorry about that. I would... Try to keep my cough coughing down to uh, to a minimum. So we saw back in chapter one that uh, that Naomi had this uh, cultural responsibility to be providing for Ruth a new husband. That was part of the reason when uh, the the two daughters-in-law, where um, where Ruth was trying to send them away. The idea was, if you uh, were married to a man and and that man passed away, that you would then marry one of his. Brothers that the brother would come along and would provide uh, children to carry on that uh, man's name. And, and Naomi's is explaining to these two young ladies, I, "I don't have any more sons. There's nobody else that I can give to, um, to, to give to you to be a husband. And even if I were to be married now and to have more boys, you would never wait for them to grow up. And so she's trying to send them away. It was an important part of their uh, tradition, their the cultural tradition in Israel that a person's name wouldn't be cut off that their uh, portion of the land would be protected and that their name would be continuing on we we read about this uh, tradition in the old testament we read it even continuing they talk about it sometimes in the new testament and so uh, i believe as we get to chapter 3 that this is an important part of what ruth is doing as or what naomi's doing as she is uh, as she is giving instruction to Ruth in these first four verses, I think she is giving Ruth her blessing to stop her mourning and uh and get out back into the uh, and get back out into the world so this is the the picture i, I think and this is um, this is this is really important for us that if Ruth had been uh continuing to mourn for her deceased husband then um Boaz, being a righteous man, is not going um, to be making advances toward her. He's not going to try to be her uh, kinsman redeemer, which we'll get to in a few minutes. He's not going to try to be her redeemer if she's still in uh, a mourning period. And so Naomi says, that, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and, and get cleaned up. I want you to anoint yourself, and I want you to put on your cloak. And sometimes it's translated like almost like you put on your Sunday best, your best clothing, it doesn't seem really to be that. It's just just put on your regular clothes. Don't don't put on these uh, clothes of mourning anymore, and go down and meet the man. I think this is uh, it has a beautiful, interesting parallel, really, in Second uh, Samuel. In Second Samuel chapter twelve, so David has uh, been with Bath- Bathsheba at this point. Second Samuel chapter eleven. He's been with Bathsheba she's become pregnant and as part of the lord's rebuke about that relationship that child becomes sick and david goes into basically goes into mourning while this child is sick and he mourns and mourns and mourns and he uh, pours himself out before the lord and he's asking for god to intervene and please spare this child's life and all of these uh, kind of things and then in second samuel chapter 12 verse 19 it says this when david saw that his servants were whispering together David understood that the child was dead. And David said to his servants, is the child dead? And they said, he is dead. Then David arose from the earth, listen, and he washed and he anointed himself and he changed his clothes and he went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. This is just a picture of when mornings comes to its, when it's come to its end, that they wash, they anoint themselves, they put on clean clothes, they put on new clothes, and they are moving forward in their life at this point. And I think that's what's happening in the life of Ruth. It was not easy for Naomi to tell her daughter-in-law, right? It's okay. It's okay for you to go on and and, and seek out a new husband. If you've ever been in that kind of situation, maybe you're had a parent that passed away and you see the, the uh, remaining parent and, and it could go years sometimes and we will look and say, oh, I, I don't want my mother today or I don't want my father today. Or if, you, um, if, you've, lost a, if you've lost a spouse, it's difficult to think that you're going to move to a place now that you're going to open up your heart and have your life move on to some new romantic interest. It was a challenging thing for Naomi to say, but she understands that this really is a natural progression. This, Ruth is being, she's being faithful to the vow that she had back in verse uh, chapter one, when in verse five, she says, everything that you're telling me to do, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it. So she gets herself cleaned up. She gets herself anointed. She puts on different clothes and then she heads out. Now it seems for some reason that it was customary for people to go and do some of the threshing of their grain in the evenings now that could have been some writers say it could have been because the breeze was a bit uh, milder at night maybe you know when they're tossing the grain up and, and letting the wind blow the chaff away maybe it was just too much wind during the day sometimes and so they would do that in the uh, the smaller breezes in the evenings maybe people had to just go and sleep on these threshing floors just to protect their harvest. So somebody didn't come in in the night and steal all of their uh, grain. But whatever reason, they they would go and they would be in the, in the threshing floor and they would be uh, working maybe some. They would be eating definitely and, and drinking and sleeping there in the place. And, and uh, Naomi knew that Boaz was going to be there. So she sends Ruth down to hide herself on that threshing floor and then wait. Wait for the man to eat and to drink and to get himself uh, ready for bed and then to come. And once she does, uh, he does all of that, then here comes Ruth ready to make her move, right? She uncovers his feet. She uncovers his feet and then she uh, lays down by them. Uh, I remember years ago, I, I had the opportunity to go to uh, Senegal. I was in Senegal in West Africa and I had the chance to spend the night in this. Uh, little hut, basically, it was kind of the mud walls, and there was the thatch roof, and uh, it had been. It was so hot during the day, I just, when I went, I didn't take anything except the clothes that I had on, and the, when I would just uh, be out, I was wearing uh, sandals and no socks, right, and you would take your sandals off and leave them outside the little place where we were sleeping, and I just remember that night, as, as hot as it was during the day, my feet were absolutely freezing, it was impossible for me to sleep well that night, I just had the I mean, 20 years later, I can still remember uh, what a weird night that was as my feet were just freezing uh, kind of on the edge of the desert there at night. And I think, uh, again, so there's a place that lots of people write about this particular thing and they make some sort of uh, a case maybe uh, in Hebrew that the word feet is the same as the word for legs. And so that Ruth goes in and she uncovers his legs and that uh, the implication that people will try to draw out sometimes is that Ruth is going and giving herself sexually to Boaz at this time. but I, I just don't think that, it's, that is that's the case. It was, it was common for prostitutes to go to these threshing, the threshing floors, according to historians. Uh, they knew the men were there working, the prostitutes would go up, and they would, they would do their work as well, I suppose you could say. It was common for that kind of thing to happen, but I don't think that's what Ruth was doing. She, I think she uncovers his feet because she wants him to wake up. I just think that she's done this small thing to make him uh, uncomfortable and he wakes up and then she comes with this uh, this, uh, this thing where she says, I want you to take your garment. Uh, let's just look in verse eight. At midnight, the man was startled and turned over and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, who are you? And she answered, I'm Ruth, your servant. Spread your wings over your servant for you are our redeemer. I, I think this, this was this was, it was important for his feet to be uncovered so she could say, cover me, cover me with your garment, cover cover me with your wings, right? There's a beautiful cultural kind of picture that's happening here as she uh, basically makes a marriage proposal to him there on the threshing room floor. Now, when they came to town, sure that, they were, the, the, the there was a lot of speculation, right? I, I don't know if you've been in a situation where you've moved to a Uh, a small community before, but when new people uh, come into the community or someone uh, has been away and they come back, they can be the, the, uh, people will gossip about them sometimes. And so I think that uh, people were telling plenty of stories about Ruth and they were telling stories about Naomi and about what they'd come into and how she'd come home with this daughter-in-law and uh, how both of their husbands had died and all these different kinds of, uh, all these different kinds of things. But... I think that her reputation, the time that she had been there, was really positive. It says in verse uh, 10, Boaz says, "Um, may you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first in that you have not gone after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do all I will do for you, all that you ask for all my, listen to this part, for all my fellow townsmen know that you are a, worthy woman. I don't think that Ruth is going up and offering herself in a premarital sexual sort of way because she has a reputation in the community for being a woman of high character. It's hard to be when you're poor and when you're a foreigner to come in and have a good reputation, but Ruth's come in and she's gotten herself a good reputation and she's not about to sully that. I don't think, I think she's really trying to work within the cultural context that they had there, she'd been hardworking. She had this great reputation, and, and Boaz was going to protect that. We also see in uh, down in verse fifteen, down in verse fifteen, uh, he Boaz says to her, "Bring the garment that you're wearing and hold it out." She has some sort of shawl apparently, and she brings her shawl, and he starts to heap a lot of grain into that. Uh, this is another reason. I don't think that she's come to offer herself sexually to him because he is looking out for her reputation. He didn't. He didn't take it as some sort of sexual advance. And then, as a righteous man, say, "Get out of here. Go. What are you doing? Get out of here. You're not supposed to be here. This is not the, This is not the place for a woman like you to be." Instead, he says you that's a you're a great woman and I'm excited and I'm, I'm so blessed that you haven't gone to a younger man or a, a, a different man or more handsome man or whatever it was that he felt felt that he didn't have for her and so instead he says let me give you some grain and so uh, even if she's later on stopped to like why are you out why are you here well I'm here to get all of this grain he Boaz gives her food that she can take back so she has a reason for having been out at such an odd hour one thing that I loved kind of about uh, this, this section of scripture in chapter three here is that there are uh, equal parts of really good cultural norm and then things that are completely outside the norm, right? Ruth cl- changes her clothes to signify that she's not a mourning widow anymore, but she's ready to move on. This is a normal cultural kind of thing. There's a, there's a way that she signals to the community, I'm not in mourning anymore. And she does that. She follows the community, the cultural norm, and she signals to Boaz, I'm ready to move on. Then she goes down to the threshing floor, which is completely not normal for a woman of good character to do. The only prostitutes were going down there at that point. She, when she talks to him, she calls herself, I'm your servant. She says, I'm your servant. She reminds that uh, I'm not of the same social class as you. I'm not from the same country that you are. I'm just, I'm not on your level, Boaz. That's what she's saying. And that's, that's really culturally appropriate to recognize there's a distance and to take your proper place. That, that's, a, that's a cultural kind of thing to do. But then she also proposes to the man when she says, I want you to spread your garment over me. This is a real culturally... It's a culturally appropriate picture for him to see, but it wasn't normal for the young lady to be proposing to the older man. It just was not the typical way that that would happen. She reminds him about the fact that he is the kinsman redeemer. You're the guy who's supposed to step in and take care of us, but she does this in a way that doesn't cause him to lose Shame, right? She could go right to the city gate in front of all of the townspeople and make that accusation and make him look bad, but she doesn't do that. She comes to him privately. And in the context of the culture, she says, you're the redeemer. We need to be redeemed. We, we, need, to, we need to work out some sort of situation here. Then we have this twist that comes in verse 12. When Boaz, he's excited. We saw that in Uh, verse 10, blessed by the Lord. Oh, I'm blessed by the Lord, my daughter, because you have made this great kindness to me. You didn't go after some young guy, some handsome guy, some uh, other rich guy. Instead, you came to me. But the twist comes in verse 12. He says, it is true that I'm a redeemer, but there is one nearer than me. There was somebody else that actually was closer in line. And so Boaz says, "Here's what we'll do: uh, take the grain, go home, and then we'll get this settled this very day." And he sends her home, not empty-handed, with all of the grain, right? And we have this beautiful picture. Uh, I really believe because in the beginning, in chapter uh, one, verse twenty, I just—I I don't know about you, but I—I I feel like Naomi, I feel like Naomi more than I really have a right to. Listen to what she says in in chapter one, verse 20. They say, oh, you're home, Naomi. And she says, "Don't, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. She says, I went out full. I had everything. I had my boys. I had my husband. We had the world ahead of us. And I come back and I've got nothing and they've been poor, and they've been having to follow the rules that poor people have to follow, that you go along and you pick up the leftovers out of the edges of the field. When they glean, they're doing what poor people do. And Boaz gets into a point where he heaps all of this grain on Ruth and says, take this back to your mother-in-law. She doesn't have to be bitter because she's not empty anymore. Here's more grain than the two of you can possibly manage to use. He just keeps up this huge blessing on her and sends her back. And then chapter three ends in verse 18 with Naomi hearing about the whole uh, of the night's activities. And then she basically just says, uh, it was funny because uh, uh, a number of things that I read this week just said Naomi's response at this point is like, okay, well, let's, let's wait and see. Like, that's, that's just what we're going to do, right? In verse 18, it says, she replied, wait, my daughter, Wait, my daughter, until you learn how the, mat- how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Right? They've done what they can do. They've, they've pushed where they can push. they made themselves available where they can make themselves available. And she said, now we're just going to have to wait and see what happens. And that's what they do. That's how chapter three comes to an end. They've done everything that they could, and now they just have to wait and see what happens. So how do we approach a story like this? This is, uh, every time I, I try to think like, why is God giving us a story like this in the scripture? What are we supposed to learn from it? And I think there are a few things, right? First, I have to say this. God is on the move in the book of Ruth. God's on the move in the book of Ruth. It's just no mistake, right? It sits right between uh, Judges, where every man is, just did what was right in his own eyes. That's, that's how Judges ends. And then we have Ruth, and then we pick it up in Samuel, right? God gives, God's giving a prophet, and then God's going to give kings, and Saul's going to come, and David's going to come, and it's just totally going to change the way things are happening. And so in this, in this little sliver in between lawlessness and them really coming into their own as a nation, we, we find this, this little bridge story of Ruth, and God's on the move not so just about uh, an introduction of King David that you're going to get uh, next week. I, I believe we can just see God's moving in Ruth's life. And when we see these kinds of stories, we can see not only was God on the move in Ruth's life, God is on the move in my life as well. He's, in, he's on the move in your life as well. We see this book and it deals with death and deals with poverty. And and Naomi is just so kind of wrung out in her spirit that she says, just call me bitter. Just call me bitter because I I can't take another day of it. And she really maybe feels like the Lord has abandoned her. And so we have this sort of despair that's in the book of Ruth. But we also have this picture of hopefulness, right? We have this uh, beautiful picture that Ruth is faithful she makes a vow and she sticks with it Ruth's trying to or Naomi's trying to push her away in the beginning and Ruth says I'm not leaving your people are going to be my people your God's going to be my God where you're buried I'm going to be buried I'm not leaving I'm not leaving we see this faithfulness in the life of Ruth toward her mother-in-law she's not from Israel but she embodies this picture of committing to yourself to someone she, she's an incredibly hard worker. We, we, can, we can just think about this. If, uh, if you were a widow in those days, it was not easy for you. And so you have the idea that, Ru- that Ruth as a young woman could go and work hard. And she did work hard. When she worked in chapter two, they were like, she's worked like crazy. And they just talk about how much grain that she collected and how much she threshed it all out and everything that she got for her efforts. But if you're Naomi and you're older, you're not going to get married again, probably. You're not going to have more children. You're not going to be able to go out and bear a full day's worth of work. Naomi needs someone like Ruth in her life. And Ruth really does just plays an important part in Naomi's life. In the end, you'll see this next week when you get to chapter four. Uh, after Boaz and, um, and Ruth are married, then Boaz buys away the land. And so Naomi ends up with money and she ends up with uh, the certainty that her husband's family name, that her son's name is going to be carried on. We find ourselves in the midst of all kinds of difficulty, right? If this whole year has just been difficulty, it seems like following difficulty, following difficulty. We feel like things get a little better and then we feel like things just turn around and get a little bit worse again. And so when we have these kinds of stories where we see God is on the move and he's on the move in Ruth's life. And then as soon as you turn the page, he's going to be on the move in Samuel's life. And he's going to be on the move in Saul's life and on the move in David's life. God is on the move in people's lives. And so we take from that, that he's a God who moves in people's lives. And so he's, um, he's in, he's on the move in our lives. When we have difficulty, we can be sure that he is at work. The second thing I think of is this. There is good in the world. Right? We can just uh we can just sometimes get overwhelmed with this idea that things are bad and they're getting worse and they will continue to get worse. But in the book of Ruth, we see while there's a lot of stuff that's going wrong, there's death and there's hunger and there's loneliness and there's despair and there's worry about violence, right? They have to say, hey, work in this field. I've, I've told my men, no one can touch you. Or, or Naomi says, make sure you stay close to his girls because it's not safe for you in some of these fields. There's all this kind of thing that's going on. But we also see in this book, we see commitment and we see faithfulness and we see generosity and we see gratitude. We see this incredible things that are happening in people's lives here. In uh, his commentary on Ruth, Daniel Block says this, the lives of genuinely good people are not governed by laws, but by character and a moral sense of right and wrong. The lives of genuinely good people were not governed by laws, but by character and a moral sense of right and wrong. Ruth and Boaz were people who were doing the right thing because it was the right thing. Now definitely, Boaz, he was hearing about the God of Israel and he knew some history, but but Ruth didn't have access to all of that when she was growing up. She was a Moabitess. They were separated. They were a foreign people. Ruth could have just walked away from Naomi She could have gone back to her own family, back to her own people, back to her own hometown. Boaz could have just rejected her, right? When she uncovered his feet, he could have uh, awakened at midnight and said, woman, what do you think you are doing? Get out of here. You're not not the kind of person who gets to touch my feet out. But there's goodness in the people that are in this story. There's a lot that we can be concerned about in our world as well. But listen, there is also good in our world, there is generosity, there is goodness, and there is reason for us to have hope. There are people who are not followers of Jesus who can do the right thing. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say this. I was watching, uh, seeing on the internet this week, the thing that Mahatir said about what's been going on in France. And that it's okay for certain people to kill other people to chop their heads off. It was unbelievable to me that someone, uh, that, that a, a public official, a leader like that would say, something, uh, would say something like that. But then you know what? I saw people who are not followers of Jesus come right along behind and say, that is madness. That's crazy. We can't be talking like that. There are people who are not followers of Jesus who will do and who can do the right thing. Like we said in point one, God's on the move. And so we can expect that the good that we do will open up the door sometimes for gospel witness. And sometimes when we share our faith, because God is on the move, sometimes when we share our faith, the people are gonna believe it. Sometimes people who are not believers are gonna become believers. We can just see that there's good in the world and people will respond to that when they're confronted with it. There's a chance for us to make a real Difference. Last thing is this Ruth had a redeemer and you do too. Ruth had a redeemer and you did too, right? From the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, we get this picture that God is a redeemer. And then it's just woven all throughout scripture. After that, this story adds in this level of God's willingness to deal with foreigners in a way, maybe that some of the other stories don't. God is willing to take foreigners. He's willing to take poor people. He's willing to take those people that society have said uh, really don't have much worth or they're not very important. And he brings them right into the middle of the story. God didn't just redeem Ruth. He put her in the bloodline of David, which means she is in the bloodline of Jesus. In Matthew's genealogy, uh, I was counting five ladies that are mentioned. And four of them are negative. Four of these are women who really are, and he puts them where he wants, and he uses them. How he wants. God takes people and situations that are less than desirable, and he uses them for his own glory. Ruth had a redeemer. You have a redeemer. So even if your own story is less than you hope it would be, then I'm telling you this, that doesn't mean God can't use you. That doesn't mean God won't use you. He can redeem those circumstances and use you in a powerful way. God loves you, and he is at work in your life. And so if you are his, recognize, God's on the move, and he wants to use you to do things. He wants to redeem you, and through you, uh, he wants to make you become an agent of redemption. And if you're not his, and you're watching this later on or whenever, and you say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not following Jesus. I don't even know what he's talking about. Then I'm saying, today you can follow Jesus. Today you can be his because he died on the cross to pay for your sins. He was buried, he was raised again on the third day. He wants to be your redeemer. So it's a beautiful picture, right? Lawlessness, moving toward identity, the beauty of God taking a foreigner, a poor person, someone who's really not, and making them into something that they are. God's moving in compassion in Boaz's heart, someone that he really should just reject and maybe he feels rejectable in a lot of ways and he's just seems to be so grateful for the way that uh ruth is responding to him it's just it's a beautiful beautiful story and i know that we are looking forward to how it's going to end up next week let me pray for you lord jesus we do thank you that you love us we thank you that uh we have stories like this we thank you that you are our redeemer and the Lord, even if, if someone might be watching this and they don't they're, they don 't even know you yet as their redeemer, we know that you stand ready to uh to save people we We know that you stand ready not to count people 's sins against them. you made a way that we could have full abundant life and so thank you for this picture God thank you for uh, the risk that uh, Naomi and Ruth took and thank you for the way that it was received by Boaz. And we pray that you would help us to be risk-taking, welcoming people, Lord, that make a difference that, uh, Lord, we pray too that you would raise up out of our own genealogies, uh, people that change the world. We just look forward to what you're going to do in those who come along behind us, whether that's in our uh, physical genealogies, in our family or in our spiritual genealogies through people that we uh, love and encourage and bring into the kingdom and disciple and help them to grow to be uh, strong believers in Christ. So we thank you for the opportunity today. Pray that you will bless your word as we think through it, as we dwell on it, and as, Lord, as it just becomes rich in our hearts and in our lives, we pray that it would bear fruit. We thank you for uh, our families spread around the world, and we pray that you would bless, and we pray that you would move, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.